that's the thing when you're crafting a recipe, like you have this vision in mind of what you want the end product to be. And when it actually works out the way you want it to, it's just uh, it's a great feeling. Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Wine and More podcast. I'm your host, Howard Fletcher. I'm a real estate advisor with Engel and Folkers. I bring buyers and sellers of residential real estate together in the Washington metropolitan area, better known as the DMV. In today's episode, I will be returning to a business that I had in one of my very first episodes of my original podcast, The Number One Two, Caboose Brewery in Vienna, Virginia. Now, Caboose first opened its doors on May 5th, 2015 in Vienna, and it's become one of the most successful breweries in Fairfax County, Virginia. They've been so successful that they have recently opened a second location called The Commons that is located right next to the very hot Mosaic District, which is also in Fairfax County. I had the pleasure of sitting down and meeting Ryan Gatsbert, who's the brewery operations manager for Caboose Brewing. Uh, we met at the New Commons store last week, and I'm very excited to bring our conversation about brewing and beer and all kinds of things to you right now. The Commons is a very happening place, so you'll hear some of the patrons in the background, and you'll also hear the music in the, on the sound system, which sounds a lot like the music on my iPhone, so I had a really good time, and I hope you enjoyed this too. So sit back, relax, and drink them if you got them. This is episode three, Caboose Brewing, Boiling Hops. Hello, I'm here with uh, Ryan Gaspard at Caboose Brewing uh, in Fairfax. Now we're at the, the Commons, correct? Correct. We are in Fairfax. We are in Fairfax, <laughs> as far as I know. Okay, okay. <laughs> I interviewed Matt Greer, who was one of the owners of Caboose uh, at their original location, uh, which is in Vienna. And I was very happy that he agreed to the interview. Unfortunately, the sound was terrible, <laughs> and I felt terrible about that. And so I looked forward to the day I could come back to Caboose and talk to them again about their beer. And Ryan graciously has agreed to come talk to us. And Ryan, you are the, tell us what you, what you do for I'm Caboose. Brewery Operations Manager for Caboose Brewing Company. So you, that means you overlook the, oversee the whole? Oversee uh, the whole operation. And uh, if things go south, then it's on my shoulders and make sure <laughs> things get done. And it's not just me, we, it's obviously a team effort. Right. But at the end of the day, if things don't work out properly, then I have to answer the mail to it. So. I see you have some, oh, now this uh, area, this place, is huge it used to right. did this used to be a warehouse what was this before uh so this came up in the interview that i had with matt oh. and uh he was telling me that it was used to be united rentals uh mm-hmm. property mm-hmm. and uh i guess they like the aspect of having a huge space it's good for a brewery to have space um being a brewer you always want more space sure. so you can do more creative things with uh all the different creations of your different beer styles so um yeah, they just wanted, I, I don't want to speak for Matt, but they just wanted a little something, a different concept from what Vienna offered, more of like mm-hmm. a farm-to-table restaurant, sit-down, mm-hmm. uh, more of a family atmosphere versus here. It's kind of like, it's a little bit louder, a little bit, 
bigger space and it really incorporates any, all, of, all of the needs that you have for any kind of liquid uh, refreshment. Well, so. I see you have a lot of, uh, now tell me if my terminology is correct. Uh, feel free to correct me at any time because sure, sure. I'm often wrong. <laughs> These tanks where you do your, your brewing or distilling. Right. Um, there are how many here? So we have eight fermentation vessels, Okay. Uh, which we uh, utilized two of them this week to... <laughs> I'm just laughing because... Yeah, yeah. All right. The fermentation vessels. Fermentation right? vessels. Okay, we call you. them FVs. Okay. FVs for short. So I'm just trying to clarify. Right, I appreciate, I, I, appreciate I have it. have a military background, so I always... Yeah. It can get acronym soup pretty quick. <laughs> so we have eight of those, and okay. we have two that are in active fermentation. Okay. One of them being our Vienna Lager, which is one of our flagship beers. And mm -hmm. then another one that's quite popular with uh, new age style beers is the Fog IPA, mm -hmm. which is our New England style. Uh, quite hazy. Um, so we have eight of those uh, that do, it's the workhorse of the brewery, it's part of it, there's, the brewery's a living organism, so mm -hmm. there's multiple facets that keep it going. But uh, then we also have eight bright tanks, which six of them are 15 barrel bright tanks that hook up directly to the front of house, which is again a brewer's dream to just have it a direct line to the front of house and right. not having to package kegs and then even smaller yet, cans or bottles. And so that's a very nice setup. And then we also have two more 30-barrel bright tanks that we utilize for canning, which we did on Monday um, with our Vienna lager. So. Those cans, where are they going? Well, um, right now they're in our cold storage, and we have Ferment Nation who distributes our beer out to the masses. And so they'll pick up their allotment every week, get it out to your Total Wines, your Whole Foods, and different uh, like Norm's uh, Beer and Wine. Shout out to those guys right. in Vienna. Right. Uh, so that's where you'll see uh, our Vienna loggers on the shelf right now. And that was the first one that we ever canned. Okay, good. Uh, I, I always want to tell people where they can find the products we're talking about. Yeah. So. Okay. I guess I beat you to the punch there. No, no, no. <laughs> You're reading my mind. I appreciate that. appreciate that. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself. You're, how did you get into brewing? When, how long have you been doing it? Uh, so I've been into brewing for about going on nine years. So 2010, uh, at this time I was living in Washington State. Uh, took a trip to visit my sister and her husband in Denver, Colorado. Okay. They're, they're known for beer, uh, yeah. if you well, haven't heard. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of beer coming out of Washington, too. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so... Took a trip out there, and uh, my brother-in-law at the time was into homebrewing, uh -huh. and uh, we decided to do a homebrew together while I was out there, and we did a Belgian IPA, and uh, that kind of got the wheels turning for uh, for me at least to like, hmm, this is a lot of fun, and I have a science background. I'm like, why didn't I ever hear about this when I was in college? Right. You know, I like to drink beer, but never thought about like making it myself. And so, <laughs> um, fast forward. Uh, about two years later, well, less than two years, I moved out to Denver, Colorado. Um, and so just being around that culture, being around my family who is heavily involved in home brewing, I decided to create my own all-grain um, brewing setup. And okay. so the first beer I ever did for myself was an all-grain uh, dark saison. So, mm, sounds good. Which, it does sound good. And uh, <laughs> I mean, every brewer has an experience where things don't turn out right, you know, so... I mean, it was good, but probably a little recarbonated in the bottle. So <laughs> had a few uh, bottle explosions, which I, again, it's a rite of passage. But, yeah, 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 I think the beer tasted pretty good, and, yeah. that, uh, and that really just set it off for me. And 
started home brewing like three times a week. Just uh, fill, I, mind you, I was staying in my sister's basement at the time, so I filled up their basement with carboys of beer and everything like that. And so my background is wilderness survival training. Wow. And so I was doing all this home brewing while I was uh, flying out to different locations mm. throughout the United States to do wilderness survival training. And uh, I did that for 14 years, and eventually it takes a toll on your body. And so, yeah, I can uh, imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. So, Washington State and Colorado are good places for it, that, it's, right? It's outdoorsman's uh, backyard. It's just a dream come true, really. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so I decided in 2016 to actually formalize this a little bit more. And I decided to go to school using my biochemistry background. There's a uh, MSU of Denver, mm-hmm. uh, Metropolitan State University of Denver, that was offering a brewing program. So I'm like, hey, that sounds great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do that. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, dived into that. And about a year later, I applied for an internship at Tibley Brewing Company out of Denver, Colorado, which was actually all part of the campus. Right. So it was in two blocks away from where I lived. So it was super convenient. I could just... I've, I've actually heard about that program. Oh, it, it, was, it was great. You know, just being able to go into a lab, go into just a classroom setup, learn about all the, the history of brewing, all the different skills required to actually craft a decent beer, right? Mm-hmm. And then apply those skills in a professional brewing setup. So it was a great two-year experience for me before I moved out here to Virginia. And so how'd you hook up with Caboose? Right. So uh, I never thought I'd be moving out to Virginia, but uh, my wife, a uh, government worker, had a mm-hmm. great opportunity great position it's out here uh, and she's uh, East Coaster uh, and so uh, she took that job and we moved out here in July mm-hmm. and uh, spent a lot of time like working on our house and settling in and eventually I, Caboose was offered a position I was able to you know, hook up with Caboose in October yeah they've done a really great job setting up this brand and so uh I think they gave you a lot of tools to work with. Right, right. That's why it attracted me to them in the first place. Just uh, if you go on their website, you see the their uh, mission statement about being involved in the community, and that, that it's always been something that has rang true with me is just giving back mm-hmm. to the people that you are, you know, servicing. So that's again going back to my military background. So uh, that, that excited me right away, and that's what attracted me to Caboose. So. Well, before we started. You asked me if I wanted to try some of your beers, and so I, yeah, I said, okay. Yeah, if we're talking beer, we might as well have some in front of us, right? Yeah, so you've brought, you've had, there are four different beers here in front of me, in front of us. Uh, Tell us about them. Right, so um, I set it up, too, for you to sample it from right to left, I guess. Okay. Not like a book. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So anyways, we have the first one that you have in front of you is the Wasser, that, or Wasser, Bohemian Pilsner. Mm-hmm. And that one has been around for a long time. So Pilsner Okel is the original uh, originator of that style. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be nice, bright, brilliant looking beer, which I believe it is. It is. It's crystal clear. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's golden clear. Right? Yeah. No, no, I don't want to, it's not water. It's very golden, but it's brilliant. Right. And that, that's what you want with a Pilsner. Yeah. And, uh, for me, like Pilsner is great year round. We sell mm-hmm. more of it, obviously, in the spring, summertime when it's hot. Outside, it's very refreshing. That's very that, good. That, that's it. Yeah. So it should be crisp, uh, clean, mm-hmm. refreshing. Um, you get a little bit of hop character in, probably in the background. It's mm-hmm. not like an American style beer where IPA right. where it hits you up front with those hops. It should be just blended in there nicely and, and balanced. Now we're recording this in the lab part mm-hmm. of your uh, facility. 
And so how, my, my question was going to be about consistency, and I'm assuming this is the place where you maintain it or you kind of test to make sure that you right. hit so, all the right notes? Yes. Uh, and our, you know, our lab is, it's, you know, again, a brewer, uh, you're always striving to be better than you were yesterday. And so the same thing goes for our laboratory because quality control is key, and mm -hmm. this is where we're analyzing the yeast, checking viability, mm -hmm. making sure we're pitching the right amount of yeast into our wort so it ferments properly and we get the beer that we're looking for huh. and this is where it all happens and uh, still I uh, definitely some devices I want uh, to make that process even easier for us to huh. make sure ensure quality but yeah it's not all breweries have it honestly right. and it doesn't take much to actually have something in place um, and so um, Right now, we're still working on establishing those processes to make sure everything is good to go with our yeast, because that's that's the driving force behind the beers, keeping that yeast happy so it's doing its work. Yeah. Well, one thing you know, I've noticed now, I'm uh, and the listeners of this, uh, to my show know that uh, while I enjoy beer, I'm not a craft beer connoisseur. I don't, I, you know, I know several people who will go around <laughs> and chase different beers sure. and collect beers, and they're they're, they're beer fanatics. Uh, I can't class on myself as one of those. However, uh, what I do notice is branding. And uh, there are a lot of brewers everywhere. And as, as you know, being in the business, there's some popping up here almost on a monthly basis. Right. On a monthly basis, not almost, on a monthly basis. But Caboose, I live in Maryland. Uh, and uh, I see people wearing Caboose gear everywhere. You know, I'm not, you know, not as much as Budweiser, but, sure, um, sure. <laughs> but uh, I think of all the craft brewers other than maybe uh, those that have achieved some sort of national presence, that Caboose in this area has, uh, has done really well as far as uh, proliferating their brand and also people being loyal to it. I mean, they, they, you know, and that speaks to the to consistency hear. of the product. So that's great to hear. That's, yeah, really that's, good. that's what we're looking for. Definitely. Okay, so what is this here, we have the second one we have here? Uh, the second one is going to be your, uh, this is our latest edition of our Hop on Board uh, series. So it's a pale ale, American pale ale. Okay. And what we're trying to do is just a experimentation with different hops. And so the first edition, we had Mosaic and Galaxy hops, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which will give you a tropical fruit, a little bit of stone fruit in there too, uh, some citrusy notes. This one has Falconer's Flight, which tends to be a little bit more citrusy up uh, front mm. and so what we're striving for that one is just trying to again keep a nice balance between the hop and the malt and so I, I think our first edition needed a little bit more malt backbone to it mm -hmm. and I believe this one the second edition has it and uh, it has that upfront punch of bitterness that you get but not overwhelming yeah I really so. like this I mean I'm, I'm not I've never really been a big fan of IPAs I, I can appreciate them Mm -hmm. You know, uh, but uh, when I'm look, looking to drink beer, I'm not really looking for something that's that has that much bite to it. Um, but this has, as you were describing, a, a very ba a good balance of both. Great. Know, yeah, so. that's, what, that's what we're hoping for. And that's the thing when you're crafting a recipe, like you have this vision in mind of what you want the end product to be. And when it actually works out the way you want it to, it's just uh, it's a great feeling. It really is. Let me talk to you about beer uh, brewing. Uh, as opposed to winemaking, because I speak to a, a lot of winemakers. Right. And um, a lot of what they do, obviously they have to be skilled in the art of making wine. Right. 
but a lot of what they do is based on the the grapes or the grape the grapes and the grape juice that they're they start with right you know it's very difficult to make good wine with average and or to bad grapes we had a lot of rain this past year and from what i'm hearing from winemakers you know some people are not even because red wine needs you know water tends to dilute the taste of the grapes sure. red wine it's not as bold so there are some winemakers who aren't even going to uh, produce that that much red this year just because the grapes aren't good enough right um, in, in the in the case of brewing, how much does the quality of the, the, the product that you're dealing with, I mean, obviously, if it's something bad, I, I guess, just like using bad flour to bake a cake, I mean, that's going to mess up Absolutely. the cake. Yeah. Um, but how much is it in the hands of the brewer as opposed to the, 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 the ingredients you choose? I would say quite a bit. You know, I mean... Going back to what you're saying about the grapes, I mean, we had a similar issue in Virginia too with the the hops that were grown in this mm, region, just yeah. because hops don't enjoy that much uh, moisture. Also, uh, so um, there was a lot of issues with the crop here in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the hops come out of Yakima Valley out in Washington State, which has it's a little bit drier a lot of days with sun, so that. that they thrive out there. So is that the case uh, across the country? Do do most people get most brewers get their hops from most are Washington? Yeah, out west, uh-huh. uh, Washington State, Oregon. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are predominantly the uh, workhorses of the hop uh, crops okay. out there. So, uh, so speaking to the ingredients, the quality of ingredients, um, I'm always I'm constantly seeking out uh, different uh, spot lists that are out there mm-hmm. for uh, the hop availabilities. Mm-hmm. And so if I see like. A current crop like 2018 if it's available I, I jump on that as quickly as possible and so I'm always looking for the freshest uh, best ingredients to add to the beer um, so when we're speaking of beer and ingredients hops is only one component of it you mm-hmm. also have the water the malt and the yeast so mm-hmm. those are the four mo- main components that you're dealing with mm-hmm. so um, I already spoke to the hops but also the malt is very important too and making sure you get quality malt and so we have good working relationship with country malt group and uh, we get amazing products from them. We're looking for uh, the finest ingredients, uh, like the Vienna malts for our Vienna lager. We're looking for uh, the best wheat that we can get for our Fog IPA, which you also have here in front of you. Uh, so that's a ma- major component. Then the water, that's, I mean, there's a lot of water in beer, yeah, right? right? So right. Uh, ensuring our water quality is absolutely the best. And so that's something I worked on a couple of weeks ago, making sure our water filtration system was working properly. And then last, and we touched upon this a little bit already with the yeast, mm-hmm. making sure the yeast is happy and uh, cared for and used at the appropriate times. So it's in it's the prime condition to ferment your beer. So absolutely, ingredients are... It's, paramount to make sure you got the best for your beer now you made beer out in colorado because you went to school out in colorado right. and learned to make beer and uh, i'm old enough to remember when Coors wasn't distributed mm. nationwide and you know there was a big mystique of the, the Coors name because of right. the mountain water that they use in brewing um how much is that and obviously with it being such a large component of what you're of the product it's obviously going to make a, a difference. Um, are there some places where I'm getting to? What my question is: <laughs> Are there some places that they don't have to fil- uh, filter the water as much or treat the water as much because the water is very good uh, and they that's they don't want to lose that? In sure, the sure. I mean, um, 
when we make different styles of beer, we try to mimic some of the natural water profiles that you find throughout the world, essentially. So, mm-hmm. for for instance, with the Pilsner that you already tried, uh, uh, the town of Pilsen, which is the originator of that, you know, we want to make sure we have the appropriate amounts of, uh, we're talking like sulfates, bicarbonates, mm-hmm. calcium, stuff like that. So, we want to make sure we try to mimic that water profile of that town. And so... <clears throat> That's huge. And uh, so for our IPAs, um, Burton-upon-Trent is one of the well-known, I mean, it's the known, the location of IPA where that was originated. Mm -hmm. So again, when we're trying to brew this beer, there's certain additions that we make in the process to try to mimic that water profile of that particular location. So, Are those water profiles available to you somewhere else, or do you have to get the water and test it or what so yeah we we have to test the water we, mm-hmm. we can get that from the water company here too mm-hmm. they can let us know and then we test it here in-house we'll be right back after this quick message from me if you can't tell by now i love making this podcast It's a fantastic way to meet new people and learn more about this area of the DMV that I love so much. Not only does it bring me enjoyment, but it helps me do my job so much better. As a real estate advisor for Engel & Volkers, I help my clients buy and sell real estate in the DC metro area. So much of my job is about being well-informed, not only about matters of real estate and negotiation, which I happen to do quite well, I say so myself, but it's about knowing about the neighborhoods and the community surrounding them. I make it my business to ask questions and get answers so that I can be a reliable resource for my clients, my friends, and for you. So if you or someone you know is thinking about or planning to sell their property or acquire something new or buy for the first time, please give me a call. You can reach me at 301-233-2845 or email me at howard.fletcher at evusa.com or just google my name Howard Fletcher I guarantee I'll be on the first page I look forward to speaking with you soon so now back to the show all right well speaking of regions then and then I'll get to the foggy IPA you know you there there are you know regions of the world that have beers that are associated with it you know you have bohemian beer and mm-hmm. you know belgian beers and that type of thing and uh, i know in the with the advent of the craft beer boom in the united states you have all of these different flavors and mixtures that are coming out is there a regional character to the mid-atlantic as far as a style or flake taste or uh, we're known for or that we're becoming right. known for right i mean yeah speaking to the new new england ipa and i mean that's right right uh, it, it's in the name right so originated out in this area um I, I like when you say like um like mid-atlantic region and what they're known for i mean i not to like just uh point out just specific breweries but i think of like dogfish head for, for right, instance right. out of mm-hmm. milton delaware you mm-hmm. know they have very uh, unique style of beer mm-hmm. and um, a lot of that comes too from um, each brewery's house yeast that they have and so I like I can pick up like okay this is a dogfish head beer cause based on I get this yeast characteristic that I, is in the beer mm-hmm. versus you know going back to 
where I lived for quite some time in Colorado, like New Belgium Brewing Company is also a well-known brewery that's now come out to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, I can tell like based on their yeast that they use, that, well, that's a New Belgium kind of beer. Right. And going further west, like Sierra Nevada, Stone, th- there's certain aspects they can pick up on with them. Yeah. So I'd say like for out east, the style, I mean, right now New England is, you see it all over the place. It's gone from coast to coast. So right. I'd say that is right. what I would think of mid-Atlantic. So, and I guess this is a good segue to go to the... There you go. Now, uh, tell us about this beer. Because this one, to compare to the Pilsner <laughs> that I had in the beginning, which I could see my hand all the way through, yeah. this is quite foggy, as it you is. said. It is, yeah. Well, now, what causes that, and, and why do I like it because it's like that? Uh, there, there's a few things that uh, happen with this to cause it to be hazy. And one of them I, I go to right away is the late edition hops. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the hops that are added to this beer are added after the boil is over. Okay. So on brew day, you finish with the boil, then you whirlpool the beer to bring all the, the proteins, the true, what we call it, to the center mm-hmm. of your brew kettle. That way, when you run off your beer into a fermentation vessel, you don't bring all that along. Mm-hmm. So we add, add all the hops at that time. And so it's just the nature of not, uh, the environment's not as volatile at that point in time. and. It causes that haziness with uh, those additions. You can also achieve even more haze. Like I would say that this one is not even the haziest of New England IPAs. <laughs> There's some out there that almost look like orange juice. But if you add hops during the primary fermentation within the first few days or so, you'll even get more haze. We also add oats, flaked oats to this, and that will give oh. a little bit more body, a little bit more haziness too. So for the p- going back to the Pilsner, <laughs> uh, for the listeners, that's the very translucent very clear one um all of that the hops are in the boil stage right yeah and and then they're removed and we use noble hops for that which mm-hmm. germany has uh, uh the corner on that and um they all <laughs> I, yeah they had a nice spicy floral characteristic to the beer but yeah with th- those additions you're not looking to create the new england haze so well that one i will say i mean as I mentioned before, I'm not a big fan of IPAs, but that one still is um, doesn't have as much of a a bitter bite to it as yeah, as some of the other IPAs I've had. Absolutely, yeah, that's why I think it is really popular because for those people that don't like IPAs necessarily, mm-hmm. you're really getting more of the aromatics out of the New England IPA with mm-hmm. those late editions mm-hmm. of the hops, and so uh, I mean it's just a flavor bomb, really. Yeah, as long as you don't look at it, it won't turn you <laughs> off, right? No, well, you know that's that's the way it's supposed to look. That's what it's supposed to look like. And when, so, when you were in school, um, you know, uh, was was there a big emphasis? Because I, I know IPAs are very uh, popular now. Right. Uh, I don't know how much you all sell here in in comparison to the other non IPA styles, uh, but is it a big is there a big demand for it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. I definitely in school, I brewed my share of uh, hazy IPAs. Right, right, um, right. My classmates were uh, super fond of them, and so right, yeah. when you're collaborating collaborating with others, you uh, you make compromises. I, I mean, I, it was it was exciting to do it. Um, right. We also did a, a Belgian bit, which is something that we're going to be doing here at Caboose in the near future because it's a great uh, spring summertime beer. Mm-hmm. And with that one, I mean, again, I was in school. Uh, somehow our uh, fermentation uh, vessel was unplugged and so the temperature wasn't regulated mm-hmm. and so uh, it reached temperatures up upwards of 90 degrees mm-hmm. in there which is not good you don't want that at all right okay and so uh, 
this is a something that we did taste and did some sensory on, and that's a huge aspect of uh, the classes that I took is the sensory side. Not only just drinking the beer, but getting down to like what are the different off flavors that you're picking up. And so that beer in particular, the Belgian bit, it was like ham. It, it tasted just like ham, which you don't want ham in no. your beer. You don't want that at all. And so I was really discouraged about it. And I'm like, we're going to have to dump this beer. I don't want our professor to try it. I don't want right. anyone to try it because right. I'm just embarrassed. Uh, but talking to the professor, um, give a shout out to uh, Ethan Sai. Uh, he, has, yeah. he had a great idea to make a little mini batch of beer, yeah. add some fresh yeast to it, dump off all the bad stuff from the one that was tasting like ham, okay. get that, uh, get the one, the small batch rolling, and add it to the one that was absolutely just oh. horrible. And within a week, when we added that new wort to it, it cleaned up all of those off layers, yeah. and it was a, an amazing Belgian bit. Mm. So it just taught me a good lesson that don't give up on a beer, try to problem solve, and see what you can do to save it. There might be a market for ham beer, though. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm be. just saying. Yeah. There, there, there might Around be. Around Christmas Or a bacon beer. Or, yeah, I don't season. know if can you come, come up with a bacon. There's beer? been bacon beers out there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's when you're adding, like, some smoked malts to it. And okay. Some people actually okay. like, literally put bacon into the beer. Okay. But then you have to deal with uh, yeah. all the fattiness uh, yeah. that comes with that, too. So, anyways. This, uh, this last one here. Now, I am. Uh, this is uh, actually a great segue, too. <laughs> so, okay. this is going to be our short beer. All right, and this, this is a is, dark beer. Yeah, this is the one that we call Holy Smokes. It's a it's a dark lager, and so we add some uh, cherry smoked malt to it. Hmm. So, so I can taste that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Now this is very. All of your beers here have been very smooth. I, I give you it's complimenting you on that. Um, this is good. I mean, I uh, I have a, I mean, the amount of Irish blood in me is so small. <laughs> it's not worth talking about. But, oh. I got bit too, so I was just listening I to the, I thought they were coming to come get me real quick. I, <laughs> all right, you're um, safe with me. Yeah, all right. Um, but my birthday is St. Patrick's Day, so I've had oh. my share of a lot of dark beer, especially Guinness. Oh, absolutely. And uh, this isn't as dark or I mean as thick as Guinness, but it's certainly very smooth. It's good, very good. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I do uh, enjoy my fair share of Guinnesses also. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, it is supposed to be a little bit lighter uh, uh, for the mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to have like a good sm- uh, smoky character to it, mm-hmm. but not overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think it's just a perfect beer for fall, winter time. For oh, it is. Just, yeah. Well, listen, Brian, I don't want to, I know you're busy and we're here in your lab and, uh, you know, I, I see people trying to get in I and mean, we're just taking up time. That's a good excuse to have a few <laughs> beers, though. This is... No, no I, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> I do appreciate that. I'm going to finish up with one more question, and then uh, the floor is yours. You can say whatever you'd like to that I haven't asked you about. Sure. If you had the ability to go to, and you don't have to pick a particular brewery. You can just maybe pick a region, unless there is a brewery, somewhere where you could work for a month to, and, and learn what they're doing there. Uh, and pick their brains or just observe a different way of making beer or a style of beer, what, where would that be? Well, I mean, I, I'll say Germany right away. That's uh-huh. uh, been a dream of mine to go over there to where a lot of the classic lagers originated. I, I just really enjoy the classic beers that have been around mm-hmm. for a while because it, it, they're not easy to craft, honestly. Like, there's nothing that you can do to hide any off flavors and 
a lager as opposed to you know our IPAs they're fun they're can be quite delicious but mm-hmm. you can disguise a lot of things in there so yeah uh Germany for sure <laughs> I got some German roots too so okay, okay. um that'd be fun to uh be able to go over there and learn from some of the best that I mean it's just it would be phenomenal yeah okay good all right well is there anything uh, you'd like uh, the listeners to know about uh, Caboose or what you're going to be doing in the future, uh, please let me know. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the future, honestly. Like, we're uh, starting to get things uh, rolling for the springtime. But last week, we just brewed a Maybach, uh, which is a Hellas Bach. So it's going to be a, it's a good transitional beer from the cold winter months mm-hmm. to... Uh, the cool springtime transitioning to hopefully some warmer weather, right? So um, that one, again, a classic style that's been around for quite some time. But, I mean, it's just it's a little bit stronger. I mean, you need a little something strong to break out of the winter cold. Um, but it's lighter. I mean, it's very similar to the color that you see mm-hmm. in our hop on board, the pale. Um, so it's golden, crisp, got a good malt backbone. It's delicious mm-hmm. beer. Um, but then... Going back to what we talked about before, we, we did this interview. We're going to get some of the uh, Hefenweizens out, out there, too, some more wheat beers, uh, Belgian Vits. We want to do that also. Um, just kind of broaden our whole portfolio, not just hoppy beers, but also mm-hmm. uh, reaching back to the classics, like the Belgian-style beers or our, our German beers, too. So. Yeah. Well, that's exciting because, uh, you know, for those people who've never been here before, I mean, this is one of those open spaces where you can open up the doors down there. You know, they're open uh, when we had sixty-seven degrees on was that Tuesday? Yeah, on Tuesday yeah. in February. Right in Virginia, that's crazy. Uh, it's a tease. Yeah, it's a tease. It's a tease. <laughs> but but nice. uh, you should have a really nice spring here in summer. So I'm excited for it. Yeah. Good, good. I wish you the best. Well, Ryan, I uh, thank you for your time. Thank you, Art. Thank that's you great. for. Hopefully, the sound came out better this time than it was on right? that. Well, we will we will check. I don't have that. a HVAC to blame. So. <laughs> So yeah, this will be, yeah, be totally be my fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, thanks a lot, and I, and I will be back. All right. Bye bye. Thank you. Well, that's another episode in the can. I would like to thank Ryan Gasberg for being on the show. I'd also like to thank Courtney Beasel and Leora Khan and everybody at the Caboose brewing company and the marketing team for helping to put this interview together if you ever have an opportunity to visit the vienna store or the common store i would highly recommend that you do so and you will thank me later i guarantee it listen i'd love to hear from all of you so if you want to contact me about your real estate needs or this podcast please email me at howard.fletcher at evusa.com Something you can do that'll help me out a whole lot, especially if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes, is please rate this episode. Rate the podcast. And also subscribe. If you like it, please tell your friends about it and ask them to give me a listen too. I would very much appreciate it. I want to grow this podcast as much as possible and take over the world. The Real Estate Wine and More podcast is a production of Fletcher Group Incorporated, made in association with Engel and Folkers, Tysons and Lansdowne. Music for this episode was supplied by Cadillac Grip. If you're ever in the Boulder or Denver, Colorado area, please go see Cadillac Grip play. Because if you ain't hip to the grip, you just ain't hip. The Real Estate Wine and More podcast was written, recorded, engineered, produced, and screwed up by me. I'm Howard Fletcher, 
your friendly neighborhood real estate advisor with Engel and Folkers. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.